And another thing And another thing Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set the bar in the world of podcasts. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And we are absolutely thrilled to be at it again for another wonderful show. Tony, you are fresh from the Conservative Convention, which I'm sure we'll get into in great detail. But I I do want to ask... Because I, I, I think I saw you on, I definitely saw you on CBC wearing a Rush t-shirt. Is yes. that right? Yes, that's, that is correct. How many, how many band shirts or music-related shirts would you pack for a convention that, you know, two, three days? I packed two uh, rock t-shirts, Jody. I packed my Rush t-shirt and my Glorious Sons t-shirt. I was going all Canadian for the uh, convention. Why Glorious Sons, though? Because they're a Canadian band. And I have well, no, I know that, but I mean, like, are you, are you, is that like, do you have, I guess that begs the question, like how many rock t-shirts or apparel pieces in general do you have then? A couple dozen. Okay. I was expecting you to say like a hundred or something. No, 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 no. Do, do you have any? With a band on it or music? Yeah, yeah band. No, or, or I actually tour. don't. I, to be, and to be a hundred percent honest, I'm. I don't think I've ever owned a shirt that has a band or something on it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, that's not exactly true. Wait a second. Wait a second. I have a Naughty by Nature sweater. Oh, yes, you do. I remember And a Naughty that. by Nature hat. Yeah. So that, you do. That, that would be it right there. Okay. Well, but, the, uh, the 90s called and they want their, their merch back. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, no, I, I, I do, I do. I bought one at the national show at uh, Budweiser a, f- a few weeks ago, and bought an Arctic Mon- Monkeys shirt from their show at Emirates Stadium. So yeah, I, I bought, a, I've had, got a couple more in my in my wardrobe from this uh, summer. Did you say the Arctic Monkeys? I forgot about that band. Yeah, yeah, they're still going strong. Very popular what in was, Britain. What was their big song? Well, they've they had a couple. Uh, I think the 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 latest one was uh, is that what is it called? Do you want to know or something like that? Isn't that the? Yeah, I don't know that one. I'm trying to think of they they had one big uh, the, hit the, the dance floor one. Yeah. Oh, is that that was them? Yeah. Gotcha. I'm trying to see. I'm just looking it up right now. Okay, I don't know. I've heard of them, but I don't know a lot about. Yeah, them. very British band. Very British, but they're from Toronto. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Why'd you only call me when you're high? That's the one I was th- trying to think of. Oh, I don't. I yeah. That's okay. From, you from, you are you're on the do, B side. and do I want to know? That's also from 2013. So you're on the B know. side of all these albums, then. No, no, no. They're they're good. <laughs> I like their later stuff. Like they they were big for a while, and then they kind of calmed down, and now they're big again. So I I like that in bands when they can get over their soft sophomore jinx and uh, and still produce. I think that's important. And uh, so true. So true, Tony. Well, this show, as it is every (laughs) week, is brought to you by Municipal Solutions. John Mutton and the team doing a wonderful job there. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. Tony, I know that you can expand as only you do when it comes to Municipal Solutions. 
Yes, they are Ontario's leading MZO firm. Uh, they're great for development approvals and permit expediting, planning services with the municipalities, engineering and architectural services, again, with municipalities, minor variances, land severances, building permits. They, they do it all. Municipalsolutions.ca. And uh, did you see this uh, picture of John on, on Instagram, by the way? From, Which from one? He, uh, he is on... He is number one on the podium at the International 2023 Open Jiu-Jitsu Championship in Toronto. Oh, did he win? I didn't know. He won. Oh, okay. I'm looking. Oh, yeah. I just I just brought it up right now. Yeah. Looks like cool. he, in an open category, it looks like he, he won. So uh, congratulations to John Mutton. Yeah, I know I had talked to him a little while ago and that's what he was he was doing some ser- well, he's always seriously training, but I know he was focused on this event coming up and I know that he's been busy with that, so it's uh nice to see the fruits of his labors uh being rewarded, but uh there you go. So there you go. Uh, is he is he still are they still referring to him as Mr. X? I don't know. I don't. I, I, it's all calmed down now. I haven't seen okay. any, I was going to uh, say uh, are we going to see an article about uh, Mr. X wanted jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it seems to have, I don't know, gone by the wayside for the time being. We'll see what. Well, the, after our after our discussion, people smartened up. That's what yeah, it was. That's what they smartened up exactly. Well, the they process do. must be a due process. That's all we exactly were yeah. exactly. That's so all anyway, we were congratulations saying. to John on that. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, that's good news. And the other big news, uh, I, I know you want to talk about the convention, but the other big news recently was Metroland going under. Uh, so all of those community newspapers uh, are uh, in bankruptcy protection right now. I think they laid off something like 600 people and uh, no more print editions for any Metro Metroland publication. Yeah. Uh, they're going digital only. So another big upheaval in the Canadian media market. There you go. And they're dropping their flyer business too. Is that right, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's just uh, they're uh, they're – a shell of their former selves and uh uh you know all, all that trudeau tries to do to quote save traditional media none of it's working and uh just annoying people at this point well think about it i mean like and again you might you come from a different generation but like i don't read the newspaper i don't i i don't ever open a newspaper in fact we get one oh it must be a weekly newspaper it's stuffed with flyers and literally it shows up in my mailbox it's free each week and then i literally pick it up and put it out in the recycling every friday right so exactly it doesn't doesn't even get cracked no i think that's uh what a lot of people do i i generally read news blogs and the occasional article that isn't paywalled and that's how i that's how i read my news if 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 i'm being honest yeah and i'm i'm uh it's funny because I wonder how, um, you know, newspapers, traditional media, like the National Post, you know, Globe and Mail, because some of them and Toronto Star, obviously, but they, they, most of their articles are paywalled. Yes. I mean, you can get a, uh, if you know, if you were new to going online, you might get a week or so of, of free articles, but eventually it's going to catch up with your IP and then it'll just be like, they're going to be paywalled and they're going to encourage you to you know, save 60% if you sign up now. But I'm curious because I wonder what their rates of actual buy-in on that are. Because like, look, I'm, I would not, I would not pay to read those articles online. 
Um, it feels like eventually you can find them somewhere where they're not paywalled online, whether right. it's through a different link or whatever, sometimes on Twitter. Because like sometimes I'll go to Twitter and I'll click on a link to a story from the star as an example, and it comes up, I can read it fine. But if you go to the actual star website and try and click on it, it's paywalled. Right. So I'm just curious how many people buy in because it doesn't maybe are you do you pay for that service or do you no, not? I don't. I, I'm sorry, uh, faithful listeners. I don't pay for a darn thing when it comes to media. I, if it's free, I'll read it. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, I'm just I'm not inter- interested enough to start a subscription. That's just my my taste. I'm uh, maybe you can condemn me for that, but uh, you know, I uh, it, it's kind of like. They're they're trying to emulate the age of moving from Napster to iTunes, right? Remember Napster? Yeah. 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 Everything was free, everything was shared, and then they cracked down on Napster, and then iTunes came along and uh, was a trusted source for for music. And now, of course, we have the subscription model for Spotify and Apple to Apple uh, Music and so on. But um, yeah, I mean uh, I, somehow it isn't working with media to the same extent, and and of course media, your your local newspapers and even the national papers relied so much on ad- advertising, uh, automobile ads and classified ads and all those and all of that just went away. It just disappeared yeah. with the advent of Facebook and uh, other social media <clears throat> and online media outlets. So. They, they just haven't come up with a workable model. The, the ones that have are the iconic institutions like uh, the New York Times or the Washington Post uh, come to mind. The, the Guardian in the UK is another example. Uh, and, but for the Post and the Times, I would argue that the only reason that it worked for them was because of one president, Donald Trump. Yeah, they hated Trump so much that people were willing to pay for the privilege of reading more anti-Trump articles, and it worked as a business model. So they they should thank their lucky stars that Trump came along. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's a good point. And speaking of Donald Trump, it it's good segue, and I wasn't uh, planning on bringing this up, but when you said said his name, it kind of reminded me that I should should mention it. I was watching. Jimmy Kimmel last night, which was my first mistake. Yes. But I just can't get over. I mean, whether you like Trump or not, and I'm not I'm not picking a side here, but I just can't get over how much he goes on about Trump and his monologues and stuff. And I and I get it. Like they, you know, it's it's people are the people like to hear about it, they laugh and and whatever. But man, he does it with such an edge of like he literally, he hates him. He hates his followers. Hates anyone that voted for Trump. Like it's yeah. crazy. Well, most of those late night guys, they, they've they've got into this habit of uh, that's their form of comedy now. That they, they they consider yeah. that comedy when it's really just a political commentary. Yeah, it's and not even funny. It's not no funny, funny anymore, right? And even maybe it wasn't even funny at the time. But they're they're locked in because they're their um, viewership is of the same political ilk. Uh, and so they don't care that they're pissing off 50% of the U.S. population, I guess. But, and that's, if that works for for their advertising, okay, I suppose. But that's, it, to call that comedy, I think Conan O'Brien, I think recently said something about this, by the way, 
Okay. Uh, Conan, Conan's on record saying comedy isn't funny anymore. And he, he used the example of Kimmel and, uh, you know, uh, the other guys uh, just, you know, going off on a rant uh, on Trump every single time. And that's not comedy in, in Conan's yeah. point of view. So it's not a, it's not a good scene right now. Uh, and uh, uh, one of them, I think, oh yeah, um, uh, Mar, Bill Mar is, uh, he had, um, he had put a pause on his program because of the writer's strike, but now he's going back to work. He's decided, uh, strike or no strike, he's going to be airing episodes of his podcast, at least, if not his show. And uh, they were, you know, you know, jumping down his throat for doing that. But, uh, you know, there's a guy that I think is still pretty funny. I think Bill Maher is, is is still pretty funny. He takes shots at Trump, but he also takes shots at Biden. He, he t- he's a big critic of the woke uh, movement, um, but he's he's got some funny stuff. So I, I I'm happy to hear that he's he's going to be producing more stuff. Yeah, no, I would uh, I would tend to agree with you on that front. So let's dive into the conservative convention, the fallout from that, because I know you probably have some great insights. I'll start off. Interestingly, I was at an event last night at our children's school. I was talking to a bunch of parents and Pierre Polyev came up. Yeah. Um, the messaging and, and the points and all, all positive stuff. But one parent did say, and I, I tend to, you know, not that I totally agree with them, but I could see how it could happen is that they felt he was peaking too early. Like, you know, if the election isn't for a year and a half, people have short memories, right? Yeah. So I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Because I would say right now, Pierre's as hot as he's ever been right. uh, in a campaign or in general. And I wonder, is he peaking too early? I'd rather be ahead than behind. Fair enough. No, I'll give you that. But, yeah. but like, be honest, though. Like, I mean, it's you know as well as I do, a lot can change in a year, let alone six months, oh, even a I- month. Hundred percent, and they shouldn't. I know Pierre well enough to know he's not taking anything for granted. He's going to keep working like the energizer bunny that he is. So uh, it's not going to impact on his work ethic uh, at all. He's just uh, and since the convention, he immediately went out to BC and uh, did another tour in British Columbia, and uh, you know uh, around the timing of the. Uh, liberal caucus meeting. He announced uh, his his housing policy uh, to to many uh, plaudits on that too. Uh, so I, I I think the intensity of what he's doing isn't going to let up. And um, uh, so I, I think that there were people saying that at the convention. Uh, let me just say generally the convention was a big success. It was very professionally yeah. organized and managed. Uh, everybody was you know as they say in the business on message. Uh, and uh, there were some interesting speakers that uh, gained some uh, attention as well. And we had some policy debates and you could be on one side or the other, but heck, at least we have policy debates in our in our party. And um, so that all went well. And uh, Jody, one of the interesting things about the convention, you know, I've been to conventions, political conventions since 1977. My very wow. first convention was I was 16 years old and it was in Quebec City. And I think that was the last time we had a national convention of one of the conservative parties in Quebec City. And uh, so a lot has happened since then. But I can tell you 
that this was extremely professionally organized and run. And um, the the other thing that happened was that there, there were a few things that went wrong. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to go into detail. They weren't big things, but they were things that if you wanted to notice were noticeable, Jody. But yeah. the fact of the matter is when you're on a roll, none of that matters. None yeah. of it was picked up. If 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 Pierre Polyev was 10 points behind Justin Trudeau, the media, oh, look what happened here. Oh, look what happened there. None of that was relevant though, because yeah. he's on a roll. And and so when you're winning, you keep winning until that streak is is somehow dashed. Uh, and of course, we were we were barely aware of it, really, but at the same time this was happening, Justin Trudeau was in India just making an ass of himself again <laughs> and uh, getting his plane stuck there, which is yeah. obviously not his fault. He's not a plane technician, but it's just like when it's ra- when it in politics, when it rains, it pours. Yeah. This guy had a very unsuccessful trip to India a, f- a few years ago because of some of his antics. He comes back there is ignored by his fellow G20 heads of government. The Indian government has no time for him either. Uh, so he's he was a, a lone and solitary, miserable figure. And then his plane breaks down. And then the Indian government offers him one of their planes, which would, would have been truly humiliating. And he says no to that and has to wait for a rescue from a Canadian forces plane. So uh, all of which is to say... Uh, Trudeau was having a miserable weekend at the time that uh, Pierre was having a wonderful weekend. Uh, but he did, uh, Trudeau did come back for his caucus meeting, obviously, and they're, they, uh, they're ready to fight on and fight back. And uh, so it's going to be an interesting session of parliament. Let's put it that way. Yeah, there's no doubt that it's going to be a drag out all hands on deck affair when it comes to you know, the two major parties going at each other. And then obviously you have the NDP and, and look, I, I'm pulling for Pierre. I mean, I, I consider Pierre a friend, a friend, and I have no doubt that he's going to take it all, take it home or bring it home. As he would say, it's just that whole, like, you know, you think about that angle of like, how long can you sustain that momentum for? Because it isn't, it isn't easy. And that's no. not questioning his work ethic, not questioning the efforts that are going to be put forward by the team. It's just reality, right? Like, I I don't think it's realistic, to be honest, to maintain the level he's at right now for the entire, you know, let's say the next 18 months. I I don't. You you may be right. And and that'll be the real test for him, won't it? Uh, To to have adversity again, where uh, the media pile on and uh, there's uh, some reaction to something he did or said. And then that's going to be the test of his mettle. Because if you're going to be prime minister, you, you're going to have days and weeks like that. So you've got to be ready for it. And so consequently, they're not going to give him a free ride to the prime minister's chair. No, no of course not. So there'll, there'll be adversity ahead and uh, his polling numbers may take a hit uh, on the way. And then the, the, the question that he'll have to answer, which I think he'll answer well, let me... Uh, let me say that, but he'll have to answer, okay, how do I pick myself up from this adverse situation and get back on my message and uh, reestablish, you know, my, my, my rhythm again. So, so that's, that's what you expect out of leaders, right? That they can get themselves out of difficult situations, maybe not even of their own making. 
uh, and uh, and carry on. So that's uh, that's a test in the future for sure. And I would say this too: I'd love to hear from some of our faithful uh, followers and subscribers to this podcast um, your thoughts. And there's a way you can do it. I know it's on one of our platforms. I think it's probably Spotify, but I believe you can leave comments on our Spotify podcast section. So let us know what you think. Can Pierre keep this momentum going right through until the election happens? I, I mean, I think it'd be great to hear what people have to say and, and hear some other thoughts. So we'll see, we'll see how this all plays out. I know that you were chatting with a lot of your friends at the conservative convention any interesting stories you can share or is everything what happens at the convention stays at the convention? <laughs> well i mean a lot of uh, former uh, uh, guests on our program were there of course uh, jamil giovanni is a good good case in point he's now the candidate a conservative candidate in durham riding which was aaron o'toole's former riding so he was he had a uh, uh he was one of the uh, keynote speakers so so good for him uh, Peter McKay was there, Jody. Uh, he had a keynote address uh, around lunchtime one of the days. So it was good to see him back in the ring a little bit. There a lot of speculation at the convention that he'll he'll run again. I don't know if you'd heard that from your vantage yeah, point. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because I saw the tweet from, I don't know who it was, Don Martin or someone said that Pierre wants Peter to run and Peter has not said no. I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And he's, he's, that'd be something. He's got to check with Nazanin, his wife, and you know yeah. he's, got, he's got kids and all that. But uh, I think with Peter McKay, he's got some unfinished business. Let's let's be let's be honest. He didn't like the way his career ended with uh, a defeat in a leadership, and and uh, I think that uh, given his druthers, he'd he'd like to take another shot at it. So and people uh, still love the guy. I mean, it's, oh yeah, there's no question. No question. There was lots of people flocking around him, wanting, wanting photos and whatnot. And uh, so he was a he was a very, definitely a very popular guy. And of course, Lord Daniel Hannon, another former guest of ours. He was uh, there. He was there. He gave a speech, a luncheon speech, and uh, was uh, his usual uh, British self. And uh, uh, really uh, is a big fan of Pierre Polyev. Uh, he says he's he said in that speech that Pierre Polyev is the most impressive right of center leader, conservative leader in uh, in the world right now is basically wow. what I said. Yeah, it was very, very high praise uh, and uh, raised some eyebrows because, of course, uh, his prime minister, the British prime minister, Rishi Sunak, <laughs> was not who he said was the number one. So that was interesting. Uh, so yes, uh, Lord Hannon was there and uh, making a splash as usual. So a lot of people that we've had on as guests, Jody, were were prominent at the convention. And you mentioned Peter McKay, you mentioned Jamil. Um, any other names of potential, I, don't, I, don't, I usually don't like calling them this, but star candidates. Is there any like names of people that are floating out there, bigger names that uh, are being courted? Um, th- usually at this stage, it's fairly quiet until the nominations process starts in earnest. There have been some nominations already, but not a lot. So I expect that you will hear more names, uh, in the future. Uh, obviously the great majority of the conservative caucus were there. And, uh, so they were, they were highlighted as well. I think of Melissa Lansman, of course, a former guest on our program and, 
uh, others as well. They were all, they were all there. I mean, the twenty six hundred participants, including delegates and observers. So lots lots of people were there in Quebec City. I wonder if we'll see any um, conservative or like, for example, in Ontario, any Ontario PC members look at taking the leap to federal in the next election. I think that's something that uh, we should keep an eye out for. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that, but we'll see. Well, can you find out the answer and let me know? I'll let you know as soon as I can. I'll do some digging for you, buddy. (laughs) And what else is going on in your world these days? Do you have any of your musical? I I know you were at a couple concerts. I, I, you know, as I live vicariously through you on Instagram, I saw you were at some concerts recently. I was at uh, the Cannons show at uh, Danforth Music Hall. Cannons is a LA band. They're, they've been around for around 10 years now. Uh, very melodic uh, sound. Um, I had never seen them before. My daughter wanted to go, and, and I, was, I, was, I was interested just because of that. And I thoroughly enjoyed the show. They've got some hits on Spotify, so good, good for them. And um, yeah, I think that's the most recent one that I can... I can refer to, um, and in the future, I've got in a couple of months. I've got tickets for Springsteen in Toronto, so I'll uh, hop on that horse again. And um, yeah, I'll let you know if we've got any other shows. We've got um, uh, at the Albany Club. You know, I'm a member there. Uh, Jody, uh, uh, another former guest of ours, Marcel Dion, is going to show up. They've got a new documentary film on the Team Canada '72. Okay. Series, the summit series against the Soviets, 1972. Yeah. And uh, Marcel has agreed to show up for that. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that film, that documentary on that amazing hockey series that helped define modern Canada and um, a lot of memories for us old folks for that. And uh, it's great that Marcel has decided to show up for that too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, that should work out well. And, I've never, by the way, I just want to put it out that I don't think I've ever been invited to go to the Albany Club. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Would you Would you drive all the way from Belleville to go to the Albany? Club? Oh, it's it's a long way to go. I know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So maybe maybe for a special occasion, we'll we'll think of that. But uh, <laughs> maybe for lunch. Yeah, for lunch. Yeah, I, I I'm good for I'm good for a lunch. But uh, yeah, no. So uh, you know, September's hit. Uh, as you know, your kids are back uh, at school and. We're all hoping we don't have another COVID meltdown from our political leadership, but uh, uh, you know, you can't see that happening. There's no way that happens. Well, you know, Teresa Tam wants people to get their masks ready. Yeah, but I just don't see people playing along this time. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I agree. With you. I'm around. I just don't see it. Yeah, I agree. I think so, some people will wear masks, and good, good for them. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. do do whatever you feel comfortable doing, but. Uh, a mask mandate is a very different thing. So, uh, I you do we, you <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't even, I haven't even been thinking about that stuff. So. Good, good, good. And back to school was, this, uh, I guess in your sense, it's a bit, a bit different, but, uh, you're getting yeah, I got all, three kids, all three kids at school for the first time. They're all at the same school grade. Uh, what is it? Grade JK grade two and grade four. So, Fantastic. It's uh they're loving it, taking the bus, meeting new friends, seeing old friends, learning, you know, all that uh all that amazing stuff. And they're actually the school they're at right now is is a, not a temporary because that's where they've been 
you know, that school has always been located there, but they're just waiting patiently because there's a new school being built for them. So, Oh, really? Yeah. Just cause they're, they've outgrown their um, current surroundings. So. Right. Do you've got, That's you've that. got a lot of growth in Belleville these days? There is a lot of growth. There is a lot of growth. It's, yeah. uh, it's quite, quite crazy actually. It's, and I, I should ask you this too, because, uh, speaking of growth, I mean, probably can't get into it too much, but I've, I've been interested to see the liberals kind of walking back their position on some of the immigration topics and yeah. doing it in a way that doesn't lay, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't allow them to be labeled as haters or anything. Because if you recall, uh, I think it was like, I feel like it was like, a, you know, three, four years ago, if you questioned immigration levels, you were instantly labeled a racist. Yeah, right. Right. So right. Now they're kind of trying to balance that. But what do you make of, what do you make of their position on that? Yeah, I think that everybody, you know what everybody's saying. Nobody's yep. saying it's terrible that we have immigrants. Everybody's saying, look, immigra- immigration is fine, but let's find a place to house them and uh, yeah. to make sure that they can be, uh, you know, in our economy uh, at, a, at a decent pace. So I think that's where the argument is right now. And it's kind of hard to argue against that. But uh, so I, I think the liberals are walking it back a little bit. They've probably done some polling and, and realized that. And um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting topic. I, I think that most of the steam that they're letting out is on the international students, which is just, it's multiplied so much. I mean, if you walk you know, around some of these university and college campuses now, it's, it can be 40 or 50% international students now. So Oh, it's... We, I, it's funny you say that because um, I, I won't give any names, but I have a good friend that uh, reached out to me because there was a situation where he encountered an international student that needed help. And just a, the Coles Notes version, Tony, this is a, a student from abroad, seven and a half months pregnant. Okay. Okay. Came over, came over for this school year, living in a house with 13 other men. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Bathroom apparently isn't working. Anyway, long story short, my friend and his wife basically said, yeah, you're not living there. You come, you're coming to live at our house. Like we'll, cause this is not right. Um, so they're helping her out, but just like, that's, that is not uncommon. Right. And, um, it's, it's a problem. I mean, I, I don't know what the answer is, but it's a, it is a massive problem in my opinion. Wow. That is that's an incredible story and probably not the only one. So no. maybe, maybe we'll have to delve into that in another podcast. Well, we probably should actually. We, yeah. should, we should have somebody on in that. Uh, who's the immigration critic for uh, the conservatives? Who is the immigration know. critic for the conservatives? We should know that. We should probably know that, but uh, I don't, Here, I don't if know. I was, oh, if is, I, that, is it Tom Kamich? Is, it, is that who it is? Is it? That sounds actually, that sounds, that sounds pretty uh, close. Let me just Google it quickly here. Immigration. I'm, tr- I'm looking up the shadow cabinet. You think it's Tom? Kim- How do you say his last name? Kamich. Kamich. Jesus, there's a lot of people in the shadow cabinet. <laughs> yes, there is a lot of people in the shadow. Well, it's not there's a Clifford. lot of people in the in the real cabinet too. It's not Clifford Small. No. Tom Kamich. Yeah, shadow minister for immigration, refugees, and citizenship. I, I nailed it. Book it. Let's get him on. Okay, I'll uh, I'll reach out to Tom. Absolutely, reach out to Tom. He's he's out west, right? I feel like uh, I feel like Jeff Watson would know him well. Yeah, he's he's out in 
um, Calgary or Edmonton. I can't remember yeah. which one. Speaking of which, there's a name that I wouldn't be surprised to see running in the next federal election. Oh, you think so? I could see that. I could see that. Okay. Is he still, I wonder if he's still working with Danielle yeah, Smith. I think he's still, he must be still in, uh, yeah. working at, at the Wild Rose Party or in the Premier's office or something. Yeah. So, anyway. All right, Tony. Well, All right, man. We'll wrap this up. And uh, thanks as always to. Everyone that takes the time to download, subscribe, listen, share, all that fun stuff. Again, don't forget on Spotify, you can actually leave some comments. Uh, let us know, as we asked earlier, uh, can can Pierre Polyev maintain the momentum he has right now, right through until the next election? And we'll share some of those responses on our next show. Thanks again to the team at Municipal Solutions. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca. And Hunter's Bay Radio, too. Thank yes. you. Yes, Hunters Bay Radio. Uh, Tony, given the plug there, as he is on the, or he's a director. He's a uh, the director of the control board. That's, <laughs> official, that's, that's right. his official title. So you can catch us weekends on Hunters Bay Radio, and we will do this again in seven days. Enjoy the rest of your week. You too, bud.